One o'clock on a Wednesday every week on Hump Day. It's a chance to just narrow the focus a bit and get a hold of the great man, Carlos Alberto Diego, from the Four Diego's, 11 p.m. till midnight every Wednesday night on 1116SCN, at Four Diego's on Twitter and fourdiegos.com. He's with us to break down the world game for us as only he can. Awesome! 20 yards out! On halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. It's not easy to satisfy, he's insatiable, is our man Carlos Alberto Diego. Hello, Carlos. How are you, Half? I don't know whether I can live up to the expectations of that pump up before the music. I reckon I underplayed it. I, I like, yeah. I like the end plate of the touch. Yeah, like that, that, you, you, you blew my trumpet more than what I would blow my own trumpet. You know, I've got a spring in my pants. I'll do what I have to do, Carlos. Sometimes you've got to go above and beyond in this yeah, industry. Well, there you go. I don't need to blow my trumpet when I'm half in town, that's for sure. You want an hour of blowing trumpets, just get to the Diego's tonight at 11 p.m. Yes. Between 11 and 12, we blow our trumpets all, all through the, that hour. the show. It's. Yeah. it's <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get myself in trouble, so I'm just going to keep it nice and say, I love when the Diego's get together 11 p.m. Wednesday nights on SEN. That's what I'll say. Good stuff. I'll be listening to that. Hey, did you hear uh, Ange before? Ange yes, I did. Very, very... Uh, I'll tell you what, Half, you've, you've got this uh, ability to make the the unsmiling smile. <laughs> and Ange Postacoglu, since he becomes a soccer, obviously a very proud man and very stern and, and narrow. Sorry, very stern and focused on the focused. job and everything like that. But you almost got him joking and light-hearted in that in that little interview. So I'm just wondering how he's feeling right now. It's a bit light and shade, Carlos. Yeah, uh, well, he doesn't give us too much light, uh, Ange. Normally, he's a very serious man who's got a big job on his hands and already drawing some criticism from uh, former players with... Uh, you know, some of the selections and what he's going to do and worried about the, the win-loss ratio at this point in time. So uh, it's good to see that he's uh, you know, relaxed going into these two games next week. And uh, and uh, and probably, not that we didn't really know, but he probably confirmed that the Japan game in November is going to be the game or that squad he's going to pick is probably the squad he's going to go with, you know, bar any injuries or anything like that, yeah. to the Asian Cup, which I is good. I that into it too. I think what it reeks of, and I enjoy talking to Ange because you, you – Normally, you're able to get something out of him. He's always happy to give you just something. Not, not too much, <laughs> but just something. But what it reeked of, the way his demeanor this afternoon, was a man who's in full control, yeah. who knows exactly what the, the program is, exactly where he's at in that program, and what's required in the build-up to this Asian Cup. Of course, 100 days to go to, uh, today, at the Asian, start of the Asian Cup. And there's a couple of games along the way, and he knows what he wants to get out of those games. And I just... I just thought talking to him, it just reeked of a man who knew exactly what was going on in yeah. full control. Yeah, and Ange will always, uh, that'll always emanate from Ange, especially uh, since his time at Brisbane Raw. He's, a sort of, he's that sort of guy that uh, knows what he wants. He's always said that I'll do it the way I want to do it. And if people don't like it, well, they've got four years or whatever my whatever my tenure is in this job, you'll have that much dissatisfaction because I'll always do it my way, which is fantastic. And, you know, he's not one of these guys that has to really convince us all that much. 
because he did it with Brisbane Roar and he did it really beautifully with them. And uh, now it's a matter of transitioning to the uh, international football and see how he can somehow get this crop of younger players and uh, you know and see how they can now develop into a ball playing possession based proactive sort of game where we uh, score goals and uh, and win games at international level. Now we've you know, I think the last FIFA rankings, not that we trust those, but we're around the 85 mark or something. Yes, we haven't been there for years, you know. I can't remember last time we were 85. According to FIFA, we stink. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, and, but then, you know, you wonder about some of the other teams who are between, you know, us and number one. And they've done, they didn't even go to the World Cup and they've done nothing and suddenly they go up the rankings. So you understand why that happens. But we, but we haven't been winning. And uh, to take responsibility for that, uh, it's a huge challenge. And... Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll start to see uh, what uh, the fruits of uh, what Andrew's trying to do. We'll see that in the Asian Cup, hopefully. I still reckon, you know, we're coming into the World Cup earlier this year, and I still reckon we're a couple of games short. Yeah. And I still reckon we're just a couple of games short. I don't think the Japan game's enough to just go with the squad he's got. You know, the, the, the squad he's thinking of. I don't think that's enough to be able to play just that game. I don't know what he's got planned just before the Asian Cup. He only has the players, I think, for 10 days because it's, it's an international FIFA window. Yeah. Uh, you don't have the you know, team for three or four weeks beforehand like you do with the World Cup. You just have Surely for... that's the same as all the other teams coming in if they've got the same window. Yeah, I suppose some teams are uh, uh, domestic based. Uh, for example, a lot of the uh, you know M- Middle Eastern teams, not many of their players play internationally. They all play within their own countries. They have camps all the time. Yeah. So it's okay. only when Ange can get the boys together. And I suppose we have had you know it's only you know recently we played Belgium and also Saudi Arabia. So I suppose there is, it's good follow up. But he's still trying out players. Uh, I'd like maybe two or three games with the so called. A squad. A fine squad. Yeah, yeah, so he can really start working and, and drilling into them the way he wants them to play. Uh, just on, in fact, we'll get to the squad shortly and, uh, and the game's coming up. But Mick in Kings Park is on the line. If you want to have a chat to Carlos through the afternoon, you can. 94291116. G'day, Mick. G'day, Daniel. How are you, guys? Good, buddy. Good, mate. Hey, no, I just want to say, Daniel, you, you hit the nail on the head with Ant because you sort of got that humour out of him and you got the serious side out of him. But following him from as my favourite player at South Melbourne. Then, you know, he's done his little apprenticeship in Greece and come back to Brisbane, Melbourne victory. Anything he says, they should listen to because it reeks of success. He's done it everywhere he's gone. He's the proof's in the pudding, as they say. You know, he's just yeah. a great guy to listen to and good on you, mate. Oh, cheers, man. Thank you for that, Mick. Uh, appreciate that. It's, it, he's, as I said before, he gives you a bit. If you're prepared to work with him and, get, and to ask him the right questions and treat him with the respect he deserves, being the national coach, he'll give you a bit. Yeah. And I just think he's in full control. And he knows, ex- as I said before, he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's great to hear that, great to hear that confidence because in the lead up to the, the World Cup, people are saying, oh, we're no chance, we can't do anything. This is a transition phase. And, but once we get to the World Cup, it was all about, oh, we should be winning, we should be winning. Yeah. When reality sort of said we shouldn't have been winning with yeah. what we had in the time frame and the build-up and injuries and, and that type of thing. So I think uh, when we get to the big events, we, we just want to win. We're so desperate to win and achieve things that we sometimes lose sight of actually where we are. And I don't think any time that I've listened to Ange speak since he's taken over the role as a Socceroos coach that he's lost that. He's never been mm. caught up in that, that moment of, of the competition. Uh, he knows exactly what he wants to do. And he said today, he hates losing. So that, that's the driving force yeah. at the minute. But he knows exactly where this, this build-up is coming from, where it's going to get to a crescendo. And he also, 
No, it's because, you know, we talk about, I think it was Mick there who said that uh, everywhere he goes, he wins. Well, he didn't have a happy time with as a young Socceroo coach and when he was doing the, the junior teams. And, yeah. uh, and you know, he had six or seven years in that. When I say he didn't have a happy time, I mean, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances when you take on youth Australian teams because you get them from everywhere. Some, some kids are overseas. Some kids are playing in the A-League. Some kids are playing in the state leagues. And you've got to bring them together and, we, you know, you're expected to win. That's really difficult to do, especially when you don't have the budget of, say, the senior team. And so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, reasons for him not doing all that well, but he was much maligned at that point in time. In fact, when he lost that job, uh, you know, it was very, you know, I don't think he had a lot of suitors there ready to pounce on him to, to, you know, do senior jobs elsewhere. He had to sort of float around state leagues a bit. I think he was a director of coaching at the FFV for a while. So he could have very, very, if he didn't, you know, sort of if that Brisbane job didn't come and he did so so well with it especially after a rocky start mm. uh, the guy could be just uh, coaching at the lower levels now that's that's how fickle this thing is and so he knows that the honeymoon period for him could well be over if he doesn't go very very well in the Asian Cup yep no I, I think that's probably fair as well Gianni Mooney Pons I don't think is a massive fan of Ange uh, g'day Gianni boys how are you good, good love listening to you look not Jews not out but not convinced yet. Is is that Brisbane uh, winning a couple of titles in Brisbane doesn't mean you're a good coach. Uh, no, it means you're a good coach at club level, I think. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't mean doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be a uh, a successful international coach. I, I I would agree with that, Gianni. Big difference. Big difference. You know, he's got to prove himself in this Asian Cup. If he doesn't prove himself, to me, it's not a success. Because to be honest, he's okay. World Cup didn't win a game really. He has to do something to prove himself here, otherwise I think we're just wasting our time again. All right, well, so we're 100 days out, John, and probably it's a bit early to do it, but I'll throw it at you in here. What, what do you want to see out of the Socceroos from the Asian Cup to, to oh, justify this, this five-year deal that Ange got? I want to see him playing the same soccer he had at the World Cup so it wasn't a fluke, so it, it wasn't a, uh, just a three-game uh, tournament that he just uh, got lucky in. I want him to get to the semi-finals, positive soccer, and see if um, he... He can uh, he can do what, the, what he did at the World Cup. He can do now. If he doesn't do that, oh, I'm not, not convinced. Still. Semi-final enough, Gianni? Yeah, semi-finals, yeah, minimum. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Gianni, for your call. Stay on the line. Stay on the line, but I Gianni. think Ange, Ange would probably expect to make semi-finals at least. I mean, you can never... I mean, you obviously, on home soil, everyone's expecting Australia to win it. Uh, but when you're talking about world football, and, uh, you know, people know that, you know, Absolute boilovers happen all the time, and you could be the best side, and the opposition parks the bus, gets it up there once, and scores, and then defends with their lives uh, for the rest of the time. That could happen in the semi final. So, you know, I, I would think good football, you know, that really captivates a nation and semi final minimum with a good performance in that semi final, I think that's acceptable for me. Uh, uh, Johnny, stay on the line. You've got the SEN prize pack uh, full of heaps of goodies and great opportunities. Stay on the line. We'll get your details on that. Uh, John's in South Melbourne. G'day, John. Yeah, hi, guys. How are we? Good, Good mate. Look, uh, I listen to you to this show every every week, and I just, I don't know. I don't know if everyone's got an opinion, but, you know, it's on, it's for Ange. He, you know, Carlos, he said he nearly got lost to the system. He packed his bags. He went overseas. I think he... Toured Europe, he toured the um, French youth system. Um, he went, I think, uh, to Arsenal Academy. Yep, he did. So he, you know, he, he knew he had to change his game uh, with the youth system. 
you know, in Australia, like you said, he was he was hard those days. So he knew what he had to do. He came back. Um, Brisbane Raw wasn't as fluke as what some people might think. As for the World Cup, you know, we've talked about this forever and ever. I mean, people are surprised that we didn't win a game. Well, I know we go there to pick up points, but I just don't know. I just sometimes think I think we. I think the team and FFA and Ench knows where we are. I don't think our supporters know where we actually are because I think sometimes we expect a bit too much. And oh, I agree with for, that, John. As for Asian Cup, you know, I, I think, yeah, a semi-final performance would be good. You know, don't forget what the, the likes of Japan, uh, they were about six, seven Bundesliga or maybe five, six Bundesliga representatives in uh, playing for Japan. You know, that's going to be a tough team. South Korea is always tough. You know, I think we need to just realise that, uh, you know, we're not we're not right up there. We're not right at you know we're not on the other at the other end of the scale. But you know I think things are slowly slowly changing. And um, you know I think one other thing encouraging thing is the appointment of the Belgian youth uh, coach. That will um, uh, I think that's that's very positive in in a way to um, to build a future. So yeah, that's. Good on you, Johnny. Thanks for that. What I really thanks, Johnny. That was terrific stuff. Uh, the what I really loved about what. Uh, Ange said in your interview with him also that he he wants to analyse his wins to make sure he knows why he's won mm. because that's that's really so that's where anyone who suggests that his success at Brisbane really don't know what they're talking about because he got that side if you remember he was he was criticised by a lot of TV commentators for getting rid of the likes of Craig Moore Danny Tiato and a few of the other guys and they didn't play well in that first six months he had them. If you remember, and uh, and then he had the, he had the preseason, and suddenly you saw a different Brisbane Roar coming out that following season, playing a deliberate passing, possession, proactive game of football that you'd see anywhere around the world. And we had coaches like Rini Coolen, who had coached in the uh, in the Dutch Eredivisie uh, for many many years, coming to Australia, coaching Adelaide, and watching Brisbane, and saying that Brisbane were playing not a European style of football, but a standard of football. So he was suggesting that this, that Brisbane side that Ange had could have been plucked out of Australia and you throw them in the area of Divisi in, in Holland and they could be competitive. So that's what I loved about it. And I expect Australia to play a good brand of football and I think that will make people really, really happy, number one. And then if we can get some success on the back of that, which we will because obviously that's that's uh, the the path to get to success. Uh, then we'll have a. I think that's what people will expect in the Asian Cup. We're talking Ange Postecoglou and the Socceroos. 100 days to the Asian Cup at the moment with Carlos Alberto Diego. If you missed our interview with Ange, just go to the website sen.com.au or follow us at, uh, on Twitter at halftime sen, and we'll tweet out that link. 22 past one. More calls after the break. More Carlos. Stick around. Yeah, look, I mean, you don't, you can never discount a scoreline. I mean, I, I hate losing, and the coach hates losing. I want to win every game, but also, you know, I want to know why we're winning, and, and I certainly, you know, I wouldn't get any satisfaction out of a, a cheap win or, or a lucky win, because that, that doesn't really show progress. I mean, you know, results, uh, you know, good and bad can disguise a lot of things. So from our perspective, it's still about structure and, and philosophy and the way we want to play our football, but within that context, you know, the players they want to win, and we want to win, and, and I guess the beauty of it is when you do win, you know why you've won. 26 past one, that was soccer coach Ange Postacoglu, who joined me on the program a little bit earlier. You can check it out at scn.com.au if you like. It's a funny game, soccer, isn't it? Because you can be the the dominant team, you can play beautiful football, and all of a sudden, one team's going to have three seconds of brilliance, or luck, yep. and your whole day's ruined. 
It's a unique game from that regard. Yep. And this is what I think Ange is getting at. That it doesn't matter if you get a lucky or a plucky yep. a plucky away win or a plucky 1-0 win or 2-1 win or whatever it might be. doesn't necessarily mean you're a good team. Well, it, it, you know, we're just saying during the break half that uh, the 2006 World Cup team, and I'll get slaughtered by many lovers of that team, and I'm one of the lovers of that team, what they did for the game and the heroes. Uh, really the peak of the so-called golden generation was on show then. Uh, but if you go back and look at those games... We didn't play champagne brand of football. Gus Hinnick was hired. It was a it was a gun for hire before the World Cup. Threw them together. These guys were a special bunch character wise. They had a mission and they went ahead and they did fantastic things for the sport. But if you look at the way that the, they that team played football, mm. right? It wasn't a possession based. Um, proactive game. Uh, we beat Japan in that first game of that World Cup late in that game. We didn't particularly play well until late. It was Timmy Cale that changed everything. Yep. Uh, against Brazil, we lost 2-0 and we were outplayed in that game. And the third game against Croatia, again, really powerful, strong, determined, all those things. And we had the better of Croatia with, in a two-all draw. We probably had a, a better, better than Croatia. We went, went away on a goal difference into the next round. Against Italy, against 10 men, uh, we couldn't score a goal in that game. And, in fact, we didn't get a lot of shots on goal, even though they had 10 men. So, uh, yeah, fantastic performance. Point of reference for our sport. But I want more from our team. And Ange, given the way he's spoken about, the, the patterns of play we've seen in, in his club teams, uh, I expect that that's our next level, which then can take us to the likes of top 20 in the world in a measured uh, in a measured way where we, we actually understand why we're winning and we have the actual secrets to success that we can Im- implement every time we go out in the field. Makes sense to me, Carlos. Makes perfect sense to me. But sometimes when you're really close to the action, it's hard to see that type of, uh, of theory. Pete's in Craigieburn. G'day, Pete. How are you, guys? Good, mate. I think we're underselling our achievement in the World Cup. Australia, on paper, would be worth $20 million, whereas Spain's worth probably $1 billion. Um, it's equivalent to a Thomas Town Football Club Division Three premiers playing Hawthorne losing by ten goals. I mean, we've got to put things into uh, perspective. Yeah, but we don't like to lose either, Peter. I mean, we lost three games, and that's what I, I can tell you. We can talk about being positive. We can talk about talking it up and all that sort of stuff. And I was really immensely proud being in those stadiums in Brazil. I've got to say, even in that third game against Spain, I saw how hard the boys worked and out, even though they were outplayed. But in the first two games, they were terrific for most of that time. Uh, but I can tell you that Ange Postacoglu, in, in his heart of hearts, would be really, really hurting that they didn't get a point uh, and get a win in that World Cup. And he knows that you can't keep on going on and getting and your credits in the bank get used up pretty quickly as a coach. And he thinks I, I would think that he would need to get have a really good performance in that Asian Cup. Uh, yeah, at, at the top level, win it. Uh, at very least, get in the semi-final, but having played great football throughout that tournament. Still, I still go back to the quality of opposition we played during that, that in that pool at the World Cup. I mean, that was some serious talent. It was. And it if, was. If you we yep. go back to the comment you made before about the, the rankings, yep. now, you know, read what you will into the rankings, but with the transition sort of period we're going through in Australia uh, at the national level for the Socceroos, to, to be competitive for long periods, not all the game, and that's what we were found, found wanting yep. in the end, but competitive for long periods against that quality of opposition, mm. it's, it's got to be a positive step, considering uh, the, yeah. almost a rebuild we're going through. Yeah, no, it, it, it is, but I'm speak, I, I'm you know having sort of watched Ange and know him a little bit from you know way back. 
uh, I, he just he'd be saying, "Yep, yeah, we showed some improvement there, but we didn't win any games." And, yeah, that's fine, but then, but there's still steps along the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah that, and that's to, where he's. You I can't think, yeah. set ceilings that or expectations that are never going to be achieved. This yep. is my comment from uh, John Withery from the Gold Coast Suns about winning the premiership in 2015. It's not going to happen. Mm. It's never going to happen. Mm. You know how hard it is, and you're a Bulldogs mm. man. You know yeah. how hard it is <laughs> to win a premiership. It's just you've got to have realistic expectations yeah. of, of where you're at as a, as a team in any sport. And I just think. Uh, sometimes the pressure we put on the Socceroos and the expectation we have on the Socceroos is so far out of whack with what, what's reality. It's yeah. not funny. But, there, but there's coaches out there that would complain about our... I mean, Holger Osik and Pim Verbeek used to complain about our expectations of our national team. I don't think we've heard Ange complain at all about people's expectations. In fact, he's put it on the line that he wants to go to the 2018 World Cup being a, a team, a national team, that the opposition are going to fear. So... He's putting it out there. He knows what he wants this thing to be. Some of some people laugh at that right now. You know, eighty four in the world, didn't win a game in the World Cup, all those sort of negativity things, yeah. and the fact that you know we're we're not winning friendly games and stuff like that. But Ange's not shying away from those expectations. That's what I like about him too. That's good. Keep mm. setting the bar high, yeah. but be realistic. Mm. That's the key. Twenty eight to two. Some calls after the break that are coming through. It wasn't quite on the rundown, but we'll run with it because <laughs> it's getting people talking. And they're passionate about the Socceroos and where they should be heading in the Asian Cup. 100 days from now. Carlos is with us. He'll be back, of course, tonight with the other Diego's from 11 p.m. until midnight. You can check him out at 4Diego's on Twitter and 4Diego's.com for all the latest news and opinion. But we'll take more calls after this with Carlos. Carlos Alberto Diego with us from the 4Diego's. The boys back together tonight from 11 p.m. on Melbourne's Home of Sport. Just an update on the news of the day too, Carlos. Uh, Mark Thompson, of course. Sorry, Guy McKenna. Uh, sacked as the coach of the Gold Coast Suns. Super footy, Johnny Ralph's boys and Robbo's boys are reporting that Mark Thompson likely to be unveiled as the new coach by the end of the week. Jeez. That's a quick transition. Probably wants, going through the thorough process, Carlos. That probably wants to get out of, out of town as quickly as possible. Quite medal the, tonight for the Bombers too, so who knows what's going to go on over there, Carlos. Yeah, half just really quickly on the show tonight, in the studio with us is Simon Colosimo. Oh, uh, he uh, has just announced his retirement from uh, playing football. And uh, he's now embarking on his uh, career post-football with the PFA. So he'll spend the hour with us on the Diego's night. And he's promised me he's going to unveil every deep, deep secret. Is he? He's going to answer every hard, hard, hard question that Good. we'll throw, that, throw at him. And, uh, you know, and give us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good around the edges. Simon Colosimo with the boys at 4 Diego's 11 p.m. tonight on SEN. Frank's in Tullamarine. He's on the open line, 9429-1116. G'day, Frank. Yeah, hi, gentlemen. How are you? Good, good mate. Good, good. Look, I've followed the Socceroos since I was about eight years old. I'm now in my 50s. And I have to say that this current crop of boys and, and coaching team, I see something very special here. And I think, um, you know, we, we're used to in Australia to have fast results. But I think what Anch is doing is very good. We have a team of young boys coming through that are showing a lot of potential. And uh, I think if we just relax a little and back off and give these guys some breathing space and let Ange do his job, I think you'll find that maybe not for the the Asian Cup, but I think for the 2018 World Cup, I think we're going to see something special. There was a coach at the recent World Cup, I can't recall who it was, but he, um, he actually came out and said if this Australian team... Uh, gets their defence in order, watch out. So I, I think there's a good future here. Yeah, Frank, I, I actually said 
And again, uh, put myself up for ridicule uh, a while back now. I think it was even during the World Cup or or just after the World Cup. I said that this crop of uh, of boys and also the coaching setup, uh, well, the, the, this squad I think will be the best squad that we'll ever have that we've ever had, and that's including the you Golden Generation uh, 2006 group. And even seventy four and all those, I think they were heroes for us, and they set the ground, uh, set the the foundation for what's happening right now. Uh, but this group here will take us to that next level of football playing because the focus will be on football playing. I keep on talking about possession based, proactive football, creating chances, wanting to win games, uh, going out hard at opposition. Doesn't matter who you're playing, where you're playing them. Uh, this team will have that philosophy belted into them. And anyone who's not up to it won't be playing it because that's Ange Postacoglu's philosophy. He's never been good at parking the bus, and maybe that's part of the reason why perhaps we've got some defensive frailties at the moment. But if you've got the ball all the time and you're going at teams all the time, well, you're not going to have to ever think about parking the bus. And that's the philosophy he's trying to embed in these guys. Thank you, Frank. Stay on the line. SEN Price Pack coming your way. <laughs> Just on the bus parking business, Carlos, there was an SMS before that he doesn't even own a mic here. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bus parking. No public transport. You can't even get on. <laughs> Just on the on the squad, uh, we've got the UAE in Abu Dhabi next Friday, Carlos. So what, about uh, nine, ten days away. And then four days after that, Qatar in Doha and the build up to that Japan game which you were talking about where I think we'll see a much more refined soccer squad. Uh, we've got Aziz Bage, Mark Bresciano, Josh Brillante, Tim Kale, Jason Davidson, Adam Federici, Ivan, Fran- Ivan Franich, uh, Chris Hurd, James Holland, Bernie, uh, you're going to help me with this one, Ebini Issei, yep. is that his, how you say it? Yep, uh, oh, Bernie Ebini we know him as. Yeah. Where's the Issei come from? Uh, obviously, it's hyphenated there somehow. They probably don't have it would on you, the Fox you, Sports. We just decided to chuck it on now. Oh, I'm not sure. Not sure. It's, right. I suppose it's Brian Lake and Brian Harris. I suppose it's, it might some, might have been a change there somehow. Same but different. Yep. Uh, Mille Yednak, Tommy Urich, <laughs> and Mitch Langerak, Matthew Lecky, Massimo Luongo, Mark Milligan, Tommy Orr, Matt Ryan, Trent Sainsbury, Brad Smith, Nikolai Topol Stanley, who's one of my favourites. I like yeah. him. James Troisi and Alex Wilkinson. You happy with the squad? Yeah, really. Oh, look, I, I can't be happy with the squad until I see what he's going to go to the Asian Cup with. That's what I when I was watching the Saudi Arabia game, the Belgian game, and everyone, and, and the boys in the Fox Sports commentary team, Mark Bosic and uh, you know Robbie Slater, who I love those two guys. But they were going on about the way you know the, losing the game, losing. They were focusing so much on the result. I I even had the feeling there that. Don't worry about this. what's happening right now. This is not going to be the squad necessarily. Mm. It's going to be in the Asian Cup, and that's when it matters. So for me, I, I'm not, it's good to see that, uh, that, you know, um, that they're going to give a go to Nikolai, Nikolai Topo Stanley because he's been really good at the A-League. He's really changed his attitude, changed his, even his body shape yep. you know, over the years with West Sydney Wanderers. It's good to see he's going to be given a go. Good to see James Troisi is getting a look in again, even though he's gone to Belgium. Uh, Adam Federici is a guy that probably was going to be the, the next keeper behind Schwarzer a few years ago and just lost his way in England, wasn't getting a game with Reading. Well, apparently he's in career best form right now and they've been rewarded by being brought into the squad. As is Bates is another one who I was a bit worried about. He was fantastic before he went to Turkey. Came back, I think, a worse player when he was uh, when he came back last year for Melbourne Heart. He's gone back to Turkey and he's been given another chance. So he's a sublime talent. But uh, but let's see what he does with it. And it's so so good that Tommy Urich is uh, also getting a look in. And also, I love the look of Chris Hurd. He's now our player. He played really well, I thought, in the in the games against Belgium and also Saudi Arabia. And he's a, one of the guys who I just think is going to be such a mainstay of our side. And also young Brad Smith, who could have played for England, 
decided to play for Australia and yeah, he got given his debut against Saudi Arabia and uh, and it's really good to have him in the squad. So, yeah, I'm excited about some individuals, but I'm not necessarily excited about this squad yet. Right, just watching what bits and yeah. pieces through the game, see who can perform and put mash that all together with what you know yeah. from the best of the best. And that's when you start to get a Japan. Bit that's when I get pants. more, ex- yeah, a bit more excited. Then a bit more spring in the <laughs> in the strides. It's uh, caught the two. Uh, we'll talk more after the break. Carlos Alberto Diego is where there's plenty more to talk about, including you talk about West Sydney Wanderers. They've got that uh, the home leg yeah. of the Asian Champions League semi final coming up tonight. So we'll talk about that after the break. Stick around with Carlos. Twelve to two. Hey, great result for a baseball fan. The wildcard playoff uh, between Oakland and Kansas City has gone into extra inning. That is sexy stuff. Seven all at the uh, top of the tenth. Uh, Oakland at the plate at this stage. We'll see what happens there. Keep you up to date with that through the afternoon. But Carlos Alberto Diego is with us, talking the world game. And mentioned before the break, West Sydney Wanderers a chance to go to the Asian Champions League final, Carlos, yep. tonight. 40, oh, it's actually 90 minutes plus possibly extra time plus marathon penalty shooting. Marathon 37, 36 <laughs> penalty shooting. Yeah, they want to do it within the 90 minutes. But if they score, if they win tonight, uh, any scoreline, they get through. It was a nil-all draw over in Korea against FC Seoul in the first leg. A return leg at home will be a heaving and throbbing Parramatta Stadium. Heaving and throbbing. That's good news. Yes, it will be a pantheon of uh, a lot of testosterone over there. And uh, and it'll be very different to what was at FC Seoul, who had very, didn't have a big crowd at all. They, they were vocal, but they weren't certainly threatening or intimidating in any way. But uh, the RBB there at uh, Parramatta Stadium, I think, will really scare the living daylights out of the opposition. So... It's all set. Uh, Tommy Urich is playing again. He was suspended for the first leg. Brendan Sandlab, another one. Those two have been scoring goals in the Champions League too. So they're going to be available. And uh, and really, it's they just need a 1-0 win. It's enough. Uh, they don't want to concede an away goal, so by the way. Any Conceding any goals is bad news, isn't it? If they concede an away goal, they've got to score two. Yeah. Because uh, nil all over there. If the Koreans score one, uh, West Sydney Warriors have got to get two to win the game. So we don't want that to happen. Don't no. want that to happen. And when play, the winner plays, uh, Saudi Arabian team Al-Hilal, yes. Riyadh or something, is that right? Yes, they won 4-2 on aggregate in the in their semi-final. Do we and, know much about them? I can't, uh, the, can't recall the, them the, being mentioned too often on SEN. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> no it's not. Well, look... They're a, they're a team that's obviously a, a very good team to make the final of the Champions League. Really, yeah. I don't know anything about their players. Right. Uh, they usually have some high-priced foreigners that they bring in, uh, but they'll be a stiff uh, opposition, but we don't have to worry about them until we get through, until West Sydney Wanderers get through. Uh, Sorry. We, yeah, yeah. Well, that's we. That's a collective we now, I <laughs> it's think. It's true. Yeah, we're barracking for the Wanderers to get through. That'd be a terrific result. Yeah. Terrific result. Yeah. Speaking of terrific results, uh, David Villa is coming to Melbourne City. Now, we learnt yesterday he'll be arriving next Tuesday. Yeah. A couple of days before the kickoff of the Hyundai A-League season. Um, how's it going to go for, for Melbourne City when he gets here? How easy is it going to be to just slot in a couple of days out? Well, it won't be easy at all, but... You know, uh, that's the circumstances that have been dealt, and I'm sure Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne City would have liked him to be there at the start of preseason, but he wasn't. So, but he's a he's a world class player. So we'll see that. You know, uh, hopefully quickly when he plays. There was a, some indication by John Van Skip to say that he might even be here for longer than ten games, which would be great because it's going to take him three or four games to really get used to everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know we have don't know we don't have a lot of time though half. But I'd love to know how excited our Melbourne City fans are, are at, at there about him coming to Australia and how worried. Or scared, I'm hearing the scared. Melbourne Victory fans are. I'm that, hearing scared. Yeah, that David V is coming. Are you scared out there, Melbourne That's Victory what fans? I've heard. Uh, and uh, are you really, really excited, uh, Melbourne City fans? We had Paddy Cosnorbo in here yesterday. If you want to respond to Carlos, by the way, the lines are open. 
949-1116. Paddy Kuznorbo, who was a part of the Melbourne City Membership Day mm. yesterday on SEM, which was a good day, hearing from some of the uh, the key playmakers and, and generals there at, uh, at Melbourne City FC. Um, he was pretty buoyant about uh, just the possibility of playing alongside yeah. a guy like David Veer. We didn't get to talk about it on air, but... Off here during the breaks, we were talking about it, and he was yeah, pretty pumped. A great opportunity for a lot of those guys. Oh, yeah, but even Damien Duff in the squad, I heard uh, yeah, I've heard a couple of uh, things out of the camp saying how wonderful it is training and playing with someone like Damien Duff. He's so down to earth, and what he's done in the game has been f- fantastic. And even last, he was playing at Fulham last year, you know, been an international for years, played at Chelsea under Jose Mourinho. I mean, this guy's done everything, and he's training with these young guys at Melbourne City. You're going to get a heap out of that. Uh, and even if uh, David Vier only here for 10 weeks. Uh, those young guys at Melbourne City or any of those players have got to be motivated and inspired by that. Uh, David Hu's coming off the SMS uh, from <laughs> Jason. Thank you, Jason. Uh, no doubt a uh, Melbourne City fan. <laughs> I've got a feeling he might be a victory fan. I've just got a feeling. Pete's on the road. He's on the open line, 949-1116. G'day, Pete. G'day, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Are you scared or are you actually excited there, Peter? No, mate. I'm a big victory fan. Um, I've been pretty much a member since season one. I am very excited, actually, to see David Beard down here. My brother-in-law's a big uh, heart. I'll call him a heart fan. Um, <laughs> and he's got, his, he's got actually two memberships, so I'll be stealing that and sitting next to him for those games just to see him uh, play. He's a champ of the game, to be honest. And um, just to see a player of that calibre in the league is exciting. I hope he has a small giggle in round three when they play against victory. Um, <laughs> and Marisha absolutely tears him a new one. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'm not scared at all. I'm, I'm embracing it. Embracing it, not scared, mate. Just embracing. I, I love that attitude. That's good because uh, I reckon the victory players cannot wait. I reckon they'd be excited that he's in town so they can play against him and show him up. Oh uh, well, and show. Yeah, him. That's what the victory yeah. fans are saying off the SMS. Yeah, how fired up would Barisha be being on the same pitch? All the focus on David Villa and he scores a hat trick, Barisha, in that game. <laughs> I mean, I, that that would be his focus, and he'd just want to, you know, make sure that he gets one over the the star of, star of the show on that day. Pete, give us a call back if you have uh, left us. Uh, you've got a spot in the 2014 Great Australian Race, October 25. Sees you and hundreds of Melbournes racing around the CBD, competing, completing challenges and visiting checkpoints along the way. Supports the Royal Children's Hospital Foundation. All the details can be found at amazing, greatamazingrace.com.au. I'll throw in 18 holes of golf for you and a mate at the Keysbrook Golf Club. It's magnificent. Sandbelt there, keysbrookgolf.com.au. And a double pass to the Power Play Promotions. Four-man eliminator, kickboxing, uh, big undercard as well. Friday, 10th of October at Melbourne Pavilion, Racecourse Road in Flemington, and a copy of SCN's Inside Footy magazine. That is a good prize, that one. It's a very good prize. Haven't seen that one before. That's a beauty. Pete, we'll get that to you. Carlos, we'll take a break. Come back very shortly. Carlos, uh, of course, I'm looking forward to catching up with you boys, all four mm. of you, the Diego's, tonight from 11pm. And with Simon, Simon Colossum, yes, our special yes. guest. Looking mm. forward to that. Make sure you tune in for that. But uh, keen to find out more about what happened in the Champions League overnight. Yes, it's creeped up on us. The second round of the Champions League. CSKO Moscow lost uh, 1-0 to Bayern Munich at home. Manchester City won. AS Roma won. Check it out on the web. Francesco Totti, 30, the oldest player ever to score uh, in the Champions League, apparently scored a crack at this morning. I haven't seen it myself, so when I get back to the office, I'll have a look at that. Apol uh, Nicosia, 1, and uh, AX Amsterdam, 1. Paris Saint-Germain, 3-2 against uh, Barcelona. Apparently a fantastic game. And the much maligned David Luiz scored first there with David, Lionel Messi. Is he yeah. David or David? Uh, David? Oh, whatever he wants to be, but uh, <laughs> he was a bad player in the World Cup. That's all I remember. Barcelona, <laughs> Messi and Neymar scored. 
scored, but they lost in that game in France. Uh, Schalke, uh, they drew one all with Maribor. Uh, they're a Slovenian team, apparently. Right. And we've got Sporting Lisbon uh, losing at home to Chelsea. Of course, uh, Jose Mourinho going back home and taking the three points away. Bate Borisov. My team. Yeah, the, the team boys. with the man's name, too. <laughs> Uh, Atletico Bilbao 1, Shakhtar Donetsk 2 and Porto 2. Big games tomorrow, Basel versus Liverpool, Arsenal versus Galatasaray and uh, Atletico Madrid versus Juventus. All the rest are good games, but not as good as those three. Not as good as those three. Right, Carlos, that is emphatic. It's comprehensive. I'm looking forward to another (laughs) update on an emphatic comprehensive review uh, tonight from 11pm with the Four Diego's getting back together with Simon Colosimo in the studio. Thanks, mate. Good on you, buddy. Carlos with us every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. On halftime over the hump day, downward run to the weekend. What better way to spend it than with Carlos Alberto Diego?